<laughs> Hi, I'm Max Gibson, and you're listening to Episode 3 of Fairy Visions, my podcast series about the radical fairies of Vermont. Here's what you need to know to get up to speed. The Radical Fairies are a global movement of queer spiritualists. About six months ago, I started talking to the fairies from Fairy Camp Destiny, the Vermont Fairy Sanctuary. Last episode, I talked to two Destiny fairies in a puppet studio, and I left a little confused. This time, I dive into the history of the Radical Fairy movement. Here it is, Episode 3, Fairy History, Part 1. At this point, I dipped into a few books by fairies and about fairies. They'd mostly gone over my head. And after being re-educated and reoriented by Daisy and Gabriel, I knew I'd clearly misread some of them. I went back to them with new perspectives and high hopes, and I dove in. I thought, if I couldn't fully understand fairies by actually talking to fairies, maybe I could get a better understanding of them from a historical perspective. So, to begin, the most obvious historical moment to zero in on was the Radical Fairies' origin, the first fairy gathering, in Arizona in 1979. The archivist of the New England fairies, Bambi, has a copy of the original call to this first meeting. It was published in RFD, which is a reader-written gay quarterly that's still being published. Here's Bambi showing me that first call. It says, a call to gay brothers, a spiritual conference for radical fairies, to be held Labor Day weekend, August 31st to September 12th, 1979, at a desert sanctuary near Tucson. Exploring breakthroughs in gay consciousness, sharing gay visions, the spiritual dimensions of gayness. This gathering was the brainchild of Harry Hay, Don Kilhefner, and Mitch Walker. Many people think of Harry as the founder, and the scholar Peter Hennen calls Harry the intellectual foundation of the movement. Daisy told me to take Harry Hay with a grain of salt. And other fairies, who I talked to later on, also warned me not to take Harry's ideas as dogma, so with that reservation in mind, let's look a little bit closer at Harry Hay. Harry was without question essential to the American gay rights movement. He was born in 1912 in England to American parents, grew up in a few different countries, went to Stanford, and rose to prominence in the American Communist Party. In 1950, after being ejected from the Communist Party for his homosexuality, he started one of the first gay advocacy groups in the U.S. Back then, it was called a homophile group because the word gay as we know it hadn't really been adopted yet. He called this homophile organization the Mattachine Society after an all-male troupe of wandering performers from medieval France. In 1953, the Mattachine had become so meek and politically non-confrontational that Hay felt it necessary to remove himself. He continued to theorize about gayness over the next decade and a half, and he came to the conclusion that homosexuals were a unified minority group, and that was a novel idea at the time. He'd begun developing this concept in the 50s. He said the following to a Mattachine discussion group in 1951. Some glad day there should be a body of knowledge that would show that homosexuals as a group have much in common and that they are not unique cases. We are essentially a group of individuals that have been forced together by society. Gays, he said, were a special people with a special history and special untapped spiritual gifts. 
He praised the elevated spiritual roles of homosexuals in pre-modern societies, and he fixated specifically on the Berdash, or two-spirited people, alternate gendered people that were historically accepted in many Native American cultures, the ones Daisy talked to me about. A side note here about this and other misappropriations of Native American and other cultures. The fairies have appropriated many of their philosophies, rituals, governing structures, clothing from other cultures. Not only Native American, but Hindu, Chinese, Quaker. All the fairies I've talked to seem to be conscious of this. Whether that awareness influences their practices is a different question. Back to the 20th century. Post-Communist Party Harry developed a theory of subject-subject consciousness. The second subject is capitalized. He said gay people could overcome the subject-object dynamic in heterosexual relationships and see each other as subjects. In this theory, each member of a heterosexual couple views him or herself as conscious and views his or her partner as a thing, but each member of a homosexual couple is able to recognize the consciousness of his partner in addition to his own consciousness. Meanwhile, Harry grew more and more appalled with the assimilationist trajectory of gay movements. In the late 70s, Harry came across Don Kilhefner, who had been a leader in the Gay Liberation Front in LA before it dissolved. They had a few long talks and bonded. Harry also met Mitch Walker, a much younger gay man who had recently earned a master's in psychology from Berkeley and published a book called Men Loving Men, a gay sex guide and consciousness book, and had devoted himself to becoming a shaman after graduation. The three of them became the holy trinity of the radical fairies. That term comes from Stuart Timmons, Harry's biographer. They found a venue, the Sri Ram Ashram in Arizona, sent out that call that Bambi read, and 220 men showed up for the first radical fairy gathering. They were looking for a shared sense of gay spirituality. They were looking for brotherhood and affirmation and belonging. They bonded over their oppression as effeminate men, and they found healing for their pain in the spontaneous, pagan-influenced rituals. And they shared their feelings in heart circles, like the ones Daisy described, all the things that contemporary fairies expect to find at a gathering. It was there that Harry Hay asked of the men gathered, Throw off the ugly green frog skin of hetero imitation to find the shining fairy prince beneath. That now famous quote spoke to as many of the men then as it does now. Harry later said of the gathering, I'm on a four-day acid trip without the acid. Mitch seemed a little less enthused. We all worked hard to make it work, and it worked. The movement had begun, but drama had already found its way inside the Trinity. Mitch found Harry domineering, and Harry definitely took a leadership style that didn't fit well with the pure consensus ideal he'd established. At the second fairy gathering in 1980, Mitch created a fairy fascist police force to try to dethrone Harry. And a few years later, Don and Mitch had both withdrawn from the fairies, but Harry remained active. By then, the fairies are their own thing, and most fairies continue on unaware of the drama between Harry, Mitch, and Don. The same issues Destiny faces today face the fairies back then. Gatherings are temporary, and so-called re-entry trauma syndrome, the sense of alienation upon re-entry into the muggle world, this plagues many of the early fairies. And the ability of newcomers to have equal decision-making powers is equally as frustrating. 
Like me and like contemporary fairies, everyone struggled back then to come to a singular definition of what a fairy was exactly. And as for me, definitions proved evasive. Harry got written into the books as the founding father. His ideas about subject-subject relationships expanded beyond their homosexual-specific origins and remained prominent. The paganism also remained, and so did the tradition of circling, what came to be known as heart circle, and so did the consensus model. You'll find all of these things at Destiny. A big difference, Destiny, unlike the original Radical Fairies, has opened itself to people of all genders and all sexual orientations, not just gay men. For me, I wasn't satisfied with Harry Hayes' philosophy and with the story behind the founding of the Radical Fairy movement. A lot of gay guys got together in the desert in 1979, and they had deeply spiritual experiences, and it became a movement. It was incredibly lucky that even that first gathering had gotten off the ground. Even then, they didn't know how to define themselves, and there was infighting. I was still very frustrated that I was unable to get at any satisfying concept of what fairies are. Reading some of Harry Hay's actual writings, which are overbearing and long-winded and really just unbearable in large doses, that didn't help. And especially after talking to Daisy, it seemed like there wasn't much cohesion of beliefs, practices, personality, or anything else holding the group together, even today. There's one quote from Don Kilhefner from early on that gives me a hint of the appeal this radical fairy idea might have had back in 1979. He did this interview with The Advocate almost 10 years after that first gathering, looking back at why he began with the fairies. He said, The idea with the gay movement was, you come out and the journey ends. The growth stops. For me, that didn't make sense. I didn't know what it meant to be gay. Something that was missing from this gay identity was a consciousness, a sense of spirit. Coming out isn't the end of the journey. Something about that sentiment spoke to me. Because I've avoided thinking of my gayness as something more than a sexual orientation. And I know I live in a whole different world, like a whole different century from that first gathering in 1979, but still, my sexual orientation does carry a social burden. Even today, being gay isn't just about liking men. And I know this, but I haven't thought about it that much. And that's what Don is saying. The fairies are a place to play around with these things, to try on different facets of gay identity, to transcend what society tells us our gay identity means. That makes sense to me. And some gay spiritualists will tell you the fairies aren't the first group to think this way about gayness. It turns out there is a lot backing this up, and it goes back in history way further than you might expect. You'll see just how far back fairy history goes next week on Fairy Visions. <laughs> to stay up to date with this series, subscribe to the Fairy Visions podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, or follow me on SoundCloud. <laughs> you can also stay updated by going to fairyvisions.wordpress.com. That's F-A-E-R-I-E visions at wordpress.com. Thank you, Carson and Phil, for reading the quotes in this episode. The music in this episode comes from the Free Music Archive. The songs you heard are Harry Fairy Hataruna by Monroeville Music Center, Holy Roller by Yacht, 
and The Life and Death of a Certain K. Zabriskie Patriarch by Chris Zabriskie. Berry Visions is produced by me, Max Gibson, and I'll talk to you next time. In the meantime, be sure to throw off the ugly green frog skin of hetero imitation to find the shining fairy prince beneath.